if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thanks for being with us as we get started at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Friday edition of The Authority. It's the ninth morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2020, and we're loaded up today. Uh, coming up in a half an hour, at about 9.35, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny is going to be joining us for the second time in about a month, and we are going to talk about the extraordinary, extraordinarily important um, need for us to end the coronavirus lockdowns now before things get worse. It is absolutely unconstitutional what we are facing, and they are now ginning up flu season combined with the pandemic season to create a super fear season in which they are going to try to impose even more restrictions on us. All in the name of a virus with a 99.7 or 99.8% uh, recovery rate. Dr. Tenpenny is uh, going to go off on this, and I cannot wait to talk to her. Everybody who's waiting, by the way, including the President of the United States, hey, that's right, I'm going to be critical of the President here on this because I disagree with him, who thinks that the vaccine is going to be the panacea that uh, you know takes care of everything. Uh, no, it is not, and most Americans, a vast majority, I believe, from the latest I've, I've seen, some 54% of Americans say they will not be taking a vaccine for a virus with a 99% plus uh, recovery rate. So uh, if that's the answer to all of this, that everybody's waiting for a vaccine, Dr. Tenpenny's got some bad news for you about that. So uh, we're looking forward to that conversation at, t- at 9.35 this morning. At 10.10, we're going to revisit education and curriculum in the state of Ohio particularly the critical race theory and the 1619-based race curriculum, the white-shaming curriculum, which is exactly what it is. It's the victimization and oppression curriculum uh, that is being pushed by the Ohio State Board of Education. The board meets again on Monday. And we're going to be talking to Lisa Woods, who is on the state board, and Peter Kersenow, who is actively involved in trying to stop this, both at uh, 1010 today. And then at 1035, we're going to talk with Aaron Perrine, senior advisor, to the Trump-Pence campaign about what we're going to start with right now. They simply cannot do this. They simply cannot play this much of a partisan game with the most important election in all of our lifetimes and probably the lifetime of our grandkids to come. 
even those of us who don't have any yet. Um, the debate commission has gone and taken this thing completely off the rails. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. The presidential debate commission it decided, I mean, literally just, you know, unilaterally and announced it yesterday at 730 in the morning that, you know, that debate that we were scheduled to have in person on October 15th. Yeah. Out of caution because of the president's diagnosis and the uh, potential for other members of Team Trump who might be in the debate hall to have COVID-19 putting people in jeopardy, it's going to be a virtual debate. Now, they did this without consulting the Trump team. They did this without getting the approval of the two combatants in the, the debate, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Joe Biden, of course, is happy as a lark. And why? Because Joe Biden now has an opportunity, if he's in a little cocoon, to cheat to his little heart's content. And we know that he's a cheater, and he has been his entire life. I played you five minutes of examples yesterday of Joe Biden cheating, plagiarizing, and lying about himself, his career, his own words, his own feelings, all of them lifted from other people. You don't think he's going to lift the words from his advisors if he's allowed to debate in a virtual setting? You don't think that teleprompters, laptop screens, cue cards, something, you don't think those things are an earpiece are going to be in place if, it, if Joe Biden is allowed to debate Donald Trump from a private location? You honestly think you can trust that? You know who doesn't think you can trust that? President Trump. But this is a disgrace what's going on. So now I find out the guy that's doing it from C-SPAN is a never-Trumper. But I don't mind that. Look at the people I've had in the past, and I've always won the debates. I had Martha Raddatz. Her hatred was so incredible, I, I couldn't believe it. But I beat Hillary in that debate easily. So, you well, know, it's one of, I don't mind that. It, it's not even that. But, but I'm not going to sit behind a computer and have somebody feed him answers because he has no idea because he, he won't be president for three months before the... Uh, Wonderful Kamala takes over with her. She's the most liberal person in the show. She's not a socialist. She's a step. Uh, that got cut off. He said she's a step beyond socialism, as you know. But the most important part is what he said. Joe Biden is going to have somebody feeding him answers. There's no question about it, which begs the question. How can we possibly trust the Presidential Commission on Debates um, to actually help the American people Decide if there are, and I still, look, I'm going to maintain what I said before. I think there are very, very few, very few undecided voters in America right now. Percentage-wise, I mean, I don't know, 1%, 2%. I think probably 98% of registered voters know what camp they're in, and the debate isn't going to change their minds. But we don't know that for certain. So we do have to have the debates. And the debate commission is so stacked against Donald Trump in virtually every decision they make. Why? Because they're all Democrats and never Trumpers, never Trump Republicans. Jesse Waters yesterday gave us something that most of us did not know. The names of those on the presidential debate commission, the ones who set the rules and pick the moderators, like the extraordinarily biased Steve Scully which we'll talk about in a moment. But this is Waters running down some of the names that most of us had never heard of. So the executive director, Kate Brown, Democrat donor. And the rest of them basically are either Democrat donors or activists or Republicans who don't like Trump. And there's a long record. Dick Parsons, Republican, 
Quote, Trump is not good for America. John Danforth, Republican, said Trump corrupted the Republican Party. Olympia Snow, Republican, says Trump has damaged the Republican Party. Want me to keep going? Here are the Democrats. No, no, Charlie I, wait, Gibson, let me, me finish. All right. I all take right. issue with that. <laughs> ABC anchor called Trump toxic. Paul Kirk Jr., former DNC chair, endorsed Bernie. Dorothy Ridings, former DNC official. Kenneth Wallach, Obama donor, said Trump was hurting democracy. Wait a minute. Shall I go on? No. Jane Harman, liberal <laughs> no. congressman, but, but, California. But Jesse, Antonio Jesse, Hernandez, Ted Jesse, Kennedy it's, staffer. It's a mix Juan. of Republicans it's, and Democrats. Exactly. And, the and Republicans it's led are by Frank Farenkopf, who no. was the head of the Republican Juan. National Committee. Frank Farenkopf. That's like saying Mueller's a Republican, even though 13 oh. of his gang are all Democrat parties. No one's a Republican. That's extraordinarily important to know. That the debate commission is comprised of, yes, a mix of Republicans and Democrats, but it's Democrat activists against Trump and Republicans who hate Trump. How can Trump get a fair share or a fair, fair, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, shake in this debate with those people creating the rules? Here's more about that debate commission from Matt Gates. The Commission on Presidential Debates looks more like a boring Washington, D.C. dinner party than it does real America. I would almost rather let the cast of Love Island set the rules for the next debates. And, of course, the commission, which represents the elite, wants to give Joe Biden the home field advantage of a Zoom call from his own basement. But when the jobs of Americans are on the line, when our national security is on the line, you don't get to Zoom into those meetings. You have to show up. And whether people like or dislike the president, they can see from the debates he is a person in command and he will fight with everything he has for the great people of this country for our success and our enduring prosperity all right so that's matt gates talking about the commission now let's talk about what job the commission does one of the jobs of the commission of course is to pick the debate moderators they picked chris wallace for the first one it was a two-on-one hit job on donald trump this time around let's go to c-span not usually considered to be one of the most biased uh, um, uh, networks. Obviously, it's not MSNBC and it's not Fox. It's not CNN. It's C-SPAN. Steve Scully, he's a pretty fair and impartial guy, right? Well, that's a really good question. Is he really a very fair and impartial guy? Come to find out that Steve Scully, in addition to being a former intern of Joe Biden, that's how he broke into the game in Washington, D.C. He interned with Joe Biden and has remained a good friend and supporter of Joe Biden. In his, in his time uh, at C-SPAN as host of the Washington Journal, the guy is a, is a dyed-in-the-wool liberal Democrat Biden supporter. But moreover, is he's not just a Biden supporter, he is a Trump hater. Steve Scully was busted yesterday. Steve Scully, the guy that the left wants you to believe, and moreover, the commission wants you to believe, would be a fair and impartial moderator of the second debate. With his finger on the mute button, perhaps, choosing to silence either one of the candidates, in which case it would be almost exclusively Trump. Steve Scully yesterday was busted. He thought he was sending a direct message on Twitter. Now, for those who don't tweet, and I abandoned the Twitter platform, too. I am no longer on it. But I have to follow this. So for those who don't tweet, there is a regular tweet in which you just tweet it to the the entire Twitter world. And then there is a DM, what's called a direct message. And you can direct message your tweets to somebody privately where nobody else can see it except that individual, right? It's like a personal inbox. 
while Steve Scully thought he was sending a message to one of Donald Trump's most fierce, vitriolic, hate-filled critics. A guy who used to be on Team Trump until he got fired after about a week, Anthony Scaramucci. Steve Scully yesterday tweeted, at Scaramucci, thinking it was a DM, thinking it was private, and asking his advice, quote, should I respond to Trump? Now, the question is irrelevant. The fact that he's consulting with a Trump hater about what his next move should be tells you everything that you need to know. After Trump called Steve Scully, the next moderator, a never-Trumper, and that's what he did. Trump called Scully a never-Trumper because uh, Scully, four years ago, did retweet, there's that word again, did retweet the New York Times article about never-Trumpers. The New York Times article written by David Brooks that said, not Trump, not ever. Steve Scully, the moderator, retweeted that, showing his agreement with it. So Trump called Scully a never-Trumper yesterday. And in response, Scully sought private DM advice from a never-Trumper, Anthony Scaramucci. But he accidentally tweeted it. I want you to think about that for just a moment. The, the vice presidential, for the first debate was moderated by Chris Wallace, who, who hates Donald Trump. The second debate, the vice presidential debate, was, uh, was moderated by a biographer for Nancy Pelosi, Susan Page. That's right, Susan Page is a biographer for Nancy Pelosi. The second debate for the president presidency was former Biden intern and never-Trumper seeking the advice of fellow never-Trumpers, Steve Scully. And then if we have a third debate, it's MSNBC reporter Kristen Welker. MSNBC, Kristen Welker, who to say despises Trump would be an understatement, along with that uh, of the rest of her network. Now, I want you to think about that. The debate commission has laid out a series of debates moderated by leftists and Trump haters. And then they want to change the rules for debating so that Joe Biden has the advantage of being able to do what he has done for his entire political career, and that is cheat. Cheat his way through the debate with getting assistance in whatever form and capacity he wants from his little cocoon. And that's why Steve Cortez, senior advisor to the Trump campaign, called the debate commission what it is, the swamp. They're, pl- they're playing pandemic politics, Brett, and they're trying to use the disease as a beard to cover up for them because the reality is Joe Biden does not want the transparency and he does not want to be physically on stage without any assistance. We, we can't trust him to do a Zoom call from his basement where he could be assisted by teleprompters and staff. No, if he wants to be the commander in chief of the greatest republic in history, he has to get on the stage himself and face off with Donald Trump and hopefully in this case do so without a completely biased moderator who inserted himself into the process last time. We hope for much better this time, even though the commission chose another person with no credentials for this debate, somebody who, in fact, worked for Joe Biden previously. That, that's what I'm talking about. That This, this commission is totally discredited. Okay. This is the swamp at its very worst. I completely concur, and I do want to hear from you at 216-901-0945, Meanwhile, Joe Biden yesterday made it clear, I don't have to answer the most difficult questions that will help you decide whether or not you want to vote for me until after you have already voted. I'll give you that story and a little reaction coming up on AM 1420 The Answer. 
Okay, 926, the Bob France Authority. Uh, it's kind of funny. I was talking about Twitter, and I told you how I don't tweet anymore, but I do have to monitor it for just these types of things. There's a picture that just uh, popped up. Somebody actually sent my way. Uh, it's Steve Scully's Twitter account, June 4th, 2016. It's uh, Steve Scully posing at an event with a little girl. It's a daughter or a granddaughter. I don't know his age, so I don't know if it's his daughter or granddaughter, but I'm presuming it's a, a family member. But posing with a little girl, it's a nice picture. It's a little smile in front of a backdrop that says Biden Beach Bash 16. He is a strong friend and supporter of Joe Biden. He has tweeted Never Trump articles. And just yesterday, he tweeted to a Trump critic and Anthony Scaramucci and asked for advice on whether or not he should respond to the president. He is dyed in the wool anti-Trump. And that's the debate moderator that they want to run a, a virtual debate. You, you can't imagine bias this, this, of this type. You just can't. It's just not possible. All right, let me, uh, let me pivot to this uh, because I promised that I would. We all know that uh, the left is going freak out crazy about the potential confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. And since they can't stop it, the only thing they can do is retaliate. It's like old world mafioso. You know, this is, this is, you know, you, you kill one of our guys, I'm going to kill one of yours. I mean, it's a terrible accident. You understand the point, though, right? This is, you take one of ours, we're going to take one of yours. And, uh, or maybe two of yours. So in a retaliatory measure, what they have said is, since we can't stop Amy Coney Barrett because we don't have the votes, and yes, elections have consequences, their answer is, the next election is going to have consequences. If we win the Senate, we are going to pack the Supreme Court to mitigate the 6-3 to perceived conservative advantage. Well, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have been asked now for three solid weeks since Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and this whole thing started, they have been asked, will you agree to packing the court? Will you support that legislative, le- legislative, if, legislatively if you are in the Oval Office? Neither one of them will answer the question. Yesterday, and I've been saying the reason that is is because they don't want the left, uh, the far left base to know that they don't agree with packing the court, in which case it will cost them votes, or they don't want the moderate lefts, leftists, Biden voters, uh, to know that they will pack the court, which would cost them some of their votes. So they're basically saying, uh, I'll tell you after the election. Yesterday, Joe Biden said that in those words. So in all my opinion, court packing when the election is over. Now, look, I know it's a great question, y'all, and I don't blame you for asking. But you know, the moment I answer that question, the headline in every one of your papers will be about that. I, I, I'm still noodling over this and trying and scratching my head and 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 getting splinters in my fingers because that's that's what kind of head i have i guess that i can't understand this guy you're telling us that you won't answer a fundamental question about the constitution and the separation of powers in our a separate but equal three branches of government. You're not going to answer a fundamental question about what you would do with that as president of the United States until after the election for president of the United States is over. And your reasoning is because people will write about it in their headlines. What on God's green earth does that mean? That's like saying, hey, what is your position on uh, national sovereignty? I'm not going to tell you that because it'll be in your headlines. You'll find out at the election. Oh, okay. Uh, what is your opinion on abolishing police? You know what? If I answer that question, you're going to write about it in your headline. So I'll tell you after the election. 
Just vote for me and trust that I'll make the right decision later on. You don't need to know what my plan is going forward. (laughs) Vice President Biden, what will you do to return jobs to the United States after the pandemic? Well, I'll tell you after the election, because if I tell you now, you're all going to write about it, and that's all the story will be. Have you ever heard anything as absurd? Have you ever heard of anything as obscene? I think it's both of those things. It's embarrassing. And quite frankly, it's insulting to you and to me as voters that he thinks we will vote for him and then he'll tell us later what he would do as president. We're going to get the news now. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny is going to join us next. AM 1420, The Answer. social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. All right, 935, we continue now on AM 1420. The Answer. Let's turn away from the presidential politics, although everything that we are talking about right now with respect to COVID-19, the coronavirus, uh, does have an impact on presidential politics. As a matter of fact, Uh, Let's listen to a member of the president's uh, White House Coronavirus Task Force response team, Dr. Scott Atlas. Well, I mean, that kind of statement is really from somebody who hasn't been paying attention to actually the science, because by now I think we all know that the prolonged lockdown is severely harmful to our country. In fact, it's killing people. We don't just talk even about the medical care that's been missed. We're not just talking about the unemployment-related suicides and other harms. We have the latest data from the CDC that showed that there's a massive increase in people with psychiatric illness and depressive and anxiety disorders. And when you look specifically from people who are young adults, we're talking about people 18 to 25. Dr. Atlas uh, talking to... Uh, Martha McCallum on Fox News. Joining us now is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny to talk about all of those things and more here in the state of Ohio. Dr. Tenpenny is an osteopathic medical doctor. She's certified in three specialties. She has invested nearly 20 years investigating and exposing the problems associated with vaccines. She's an outspoken critic of mask mandates and, yes, potential vaccine mandates from both the scientific perspective and a constitutional one. She joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Doctor, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you on. So there's so much that has happened really in the last just couple of days uh, with respect to um, uh, the mandates and uh, the ongoing government response. Let me start by just asking your response to what you just heard from uh, Dr. Scott Atlas. Um, it's kind of interesting. It's, it took them a while to get a doctor on with a different perspective than the uh, the perspective of Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci. But Scott Atlas is a part of this team, and he said that the effects of a prolonged lockdown on a on, on this country, the economy, the society, people as individuals is devastating what we have seen already. And if we're not careful and we allow, you know, fear to dictate what we do going forward. And Joe Biden, for example, has said that if he wins, he will absolutely order as much as he can with his authority uh, statewide lockdowns all over the country again in response to this. What is your response to that? Um, Dr. Atlas is absolutely right. In fact, I was predicting that and talking about it way back in March, that this was going to be more devastating to the economy, to global health, to individuals than any infection was going to be from this coronavirus. 
Um, t- tell us more about the impact. Uh, again, he gave us a couple of the numbers. He talked about people 18 to 25. He talked about some of the psychological issues that people are having and have developed over this. And he talked about, uh, you know, suicide rates and other things. What, what, what have you observed yourself personally or what statistics, at least here in the state of Ohio, um, do you rely upon to, to uh, make up your mind? Well, I've t- spoken to people from all over the world. I've talked to lawyers. I've talked to doctors. I've talked to dentists. And not only are we talking about bad health from the mask, because now we're seeing more and more reports in the medical literature showing that the mask is, 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 what I've said from the beginning, Bob, is that the only thing that the mask does is makes the wearer of the mask sick. Now we're talking about something they've defined as mask mouth, where it cha- the, the increasing CO2 and lowering oxygen in your mouth and breathing in and out into this particularly cloth mask is causing something called mask mouth, which is causing periodontal disease and causing dental caries, even in people that have healthy teeth. We're seeing something called mask dermatitis, which is a very aggressive staph or strep infection on the face because when you're wearing a mask and it starts to get damp, what you're basically doing is spitting on your face all day long and allowing the bacteria that's supposed to be inside of your mouth to grow on your on your skin. We're actually seeing increasing numbers of pneumonia of kind of unusual bacteria that they don't usually see because because of the change in the, in the microbiome in the mouth. And just last week, there was a report in the New England Journal of Medicine. Now, this was the first report that was written up. That doesn't mean it was the only report of a woman who had been aggressively tested uh, with the PCR testing in the back of her throat so aggressively that it had ruptured into her spinal cord. She ended up with a cerebral spinal fluid leak that required surgery to repair it. So across the board, between the mass, the testing, the psychological traumas, they're now saying that some of the things that have happened to children with masking them as young as three years of age and making them terrified of other people around them, either that have unmasked that frightens them or don't have unmasked because why don't they wear their mask, mommy, may take up to 10 to 15 years before the psychological trauma of the PTSD to our kids will be unwound. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny is our guest. She is uh, talking about the efficacy of masks. We're talking about the illnesses and the diseases and the problems that can be caused by face masks. And yet, you know, especially in the wake, uh, Dr. Tenpenny of Dr. or excuse me, of President Trump's diagnosis and his positive test and that of uh, Melania and that of Kayleigh McEnany and that of others associated with the administration, um, the call for masks has grown louder, saying that if they had been more diligent in wearing masks, perhaps they would not have been uh, infected by the disease. This is kind of, you know, and I know President Trump does not want to mandate anything on anybody because he's a believer in liberty, and I love that about him, but uh, this particular case is being used against him and the argument about masks. Well, they'll find any possible niggly worm that they can find to use against him, Bob. And this is just one more, one more in their quiver in their, in their pot that, to try to use against him. Because we know from the medical literature, I've reviewed over 90 articles. Yes, there's that many from PubMed, from the, from peer-reviewed literature showing that masks don't work. They don't do anything. They don't even do anything in a surgical suite. And there's plenty of evidence that show that. So saying that to, to wear, to wear the mask would have cut down on the president's positive testing. And, you know, there's an interesting thing about him being testing positive and all the drugs and things that they used on him. I mean, for one thing, we know that we now have a case-demic, not a pandemic, because the number of, we keep talking about the number of cases as though having a positive test is equivalent to having illness, infection, and can spread 
a, a virus, which is absolutely not true, and there's lots of evidence about that. The second thing, and I said from the first night that he went to the hospital, because I'm involved in several lists and groups of people that are pretty close to the White House, one of the things I said was I hope that they're going to be testing him for something other than coronavirus because if they tested him and found that that was positive, it may not mean anything. It may have mean, meant that he was exposed to a coronavirus years ago. Um, I hope they're testing him for staph, strep, pneumococcal, other types of infections and things just it, because what we're finding is because now every illness is now labeled COVID-19. How many people are having other infections that they're not being tested for? We sort of laughingly say that COVID-19 has cured heart disease, cured cancer, cured strokes, cured all types of, of ulcerative colitis because we don't see those diagnoses anymore. It's all about COVID-19. And we say that sort of tongue-in-cheek, but in actuality, it's true. And we wonder how many people are not going to the hospital to get diagnosed with that have chest pain, that refuse to go to the hospital because they don't want to be tested or they don't want to be put into isolation um, and have died. How many fewer number of heart catheterizations, how many fewer number of early diagnoses of, of cancer are we missing because people don't want to go to the hospital. They have a lot of uh, um, uh, elective procedures now in the hospital, like a cataract surgery or a knee replacement that you're not allowed to have. They're refusing care unless you have a COVID test. And now, so it's, it's getting deeper and deeper into this area that not only are vaccine mandates going to come to fruition in a couple of months, now it's all about testing. United just lost, uh, launched their app in the last couple of days saying that they want to do um, testing at the airport. And if you find out that you test negative, if you get on an international flight, then you don't have to um, go into quarantine when you land. But how accurate is that? They've shown over and over again that the accuracy of these tests is, is not what it should be and that they, we have enormous numbers of false positives and false negatives, but yet now it's one more level of tracking you on your phone and also requiring you to have testing to have a service. Well, yeah, it's more the false positives that I'm concerned about, Dr. Tenpenny. Exactly. The CDC said uh, about a month ago that 9 in 10, as many as 9 in 10 positive cases are, are the result of the hypersensitive PRC tests that, that find old antibodies, that find particles of a coronavirus that somebody may have had months ago and that they exactly. are absolutely not contagious for right now. And yet that positive test goes into the state statistics. And, of course, it makes that individual uh, quarantine or isolate it makes all of the people they have associated with by way of contact tracing, makes them yeah. isolate, and it, and it establishes governmental policy on whether or not people can go to football games or can go to restaurants or can go to their churches and worship. That's the, that's the obscenity of all of this is the efficacy of the tests is not being, you know, even though the CDC made that announcement, it hasn't changed anybody's approach. You're absolutely right. You nailed it. Absolutely right. The number of false positives, I mean, we have lists of, of laboratories that had nearly a 100% positivity uh, on, their, on their testing, which is statistically impossible. I mean, if you send 100 samples to a lab, it's statistically impossible to have 100 positive tests unless they're not running it right or unless the tests were contaminated before they got sent to the lab. And so it's just, we, that's why I say we have a case-demic now, because these number of cases, we hear DeWine say it on the radio, you know, when he comes on, yeah, we've had X number of cases. The cases don't mean anything. And if anybody could take one morsel away from this conversation you and I are having, is to do some investigation and find out that the case 
having a case is not equivalent to being sick. And that's where they're driving the narrative, which is absolutely a false narrative, in order to propagate their agenda and continue to move this forward is based on false information. I mean, talk about fake news. I mean, you know, when President Trump's been saying that all along, the the PCR testing, defining cases and creating public policy and business closures and travel restrictions based on a PCR test positivity that was never intended to do that, that is the biggest uh, fraud I think that's ever been propagated on, on humanity. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny is our guest. She is also going to be our guest at our next webinar for Citizens for Free Speech, the Ohio chapter, which is coming up next week. I'll tell you more about that in a moment, because one of the things she's going to be talking about is in-depth, in-depth is uh, the mask uh, issue from a, a medical and a scientific point of view, but also the vaccines. You, you touched on it briefly, Dr. Tenpenny. Give us a little more here, because... I love uh, President Trump. I'm going to vote for President Trump. I've been an outspoken, active supporter of President Trump, but I don't agree with everything. And one of the things is his promotion of, and I feel like it's because he and they have nothing else. I mean, literally nothing else to say about what to do about coronavirus other than wait till the vaccine comes. We're going to get it here quickly, and that's going to be the answer. He says it. Biden says it. DeWine says it. Whitmer says it. Newsom says it. It's all about the vaccine is going to be the panacea. That's going to be what fixes everything for everybody. And I know you disagree with that. Tell me what we can do. Well, what people need to do is to understand a little bit about the problems that's going to come with this vaccine. I mean, they've tried to develop a coronavirus vaccine since SARS in 2002. They've never been able to get the vaccine past animal trials because in the animal trials, they either all the animals either got horribly sick with autoimmune diseases, autoimmune inflammatory diseases of the lung, liver, and kidney, or the animals died. So the FDA never allowed them to fast track to, to move forward with a coronavirus vaccine into human trials. But yet, because of COVID-19, they now and they have these EUAs, the emergency utilization of, uh, authorizations. They've been able to go directly to human trials, and, and they have it with complete impunity. They have uh, since the because of the 2005 Prep Act, they have 100 percent liability protection for any drug, vaccine, technology, software, anything that is made under the umbrella of COVID-19. They have zero liability, no matter how much damage or carnage it causes to people's health or if it kills people. There's no liability to them whatsoever. The ingredients that we know so far in at least some of the vaccines that they're using human aborted fetal cells, they're using something called hydrogel, which can go in and attach to your your DNA and transform it. We know that they, even Bill Gates has said in one of his uh, one of his talks about that when we inject these um, viruses or the or the parts of the viruses, which is the messenger RNA, humans' own reverse transcriptase enzymes start to replicate it, and we have more and more virus inside of our body that we cannot detox from. I know a lot of people who've been concerned for years, like I have, about childhood vaccinations. One of the things that they talk about is, can we get this out of our system? Can we detox it? With many of the childhood vaccines, the answer is yes. You can eliminate the mercury from your body. You can get the alumin from your body. And some of the chemicals can actually come out. I don't think you'll, if you get a a COVID-19 vaccine, there's no detoxing from it. It's irreversibly in your body and it's there and it can make you sick in perpetuity. 
Um, and it's not so much about the vaccine that's going to make you sick when you initially get it, but what they saw in the animal trials was that when you were re-exposed to an ambient coronavirus, which they are out there, they've been around for 60 years. We know there's at least seven strains of coronaviruses that infect humans. Um, when you get re-exposed, that's when the travesty happens. Now, if that's two or three months later, you know that the FDA and all the powers that be that are pro-vaccine will never say that there's a connection between the two, except we've got a really large body of, of medical literature that goes back um, all the way into the 1980s and 90s that show that this is how the adverse effects from a coronavirus vaccine behave. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny laying it out for us in, uh, in, a, in a thumbnail sketch, if you will. It's going to be much more broadly explained to you if you are able to join us. So I want to make this announcement. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny uh, will be our guest at our second Citizens for Free Speech Ohio chapter webinar. We had our first one last month with uh, Jack Windsor. And Dr. Tenpenny will be with us this coming Wednesday, uh, the 14th. Dr. Tenpenny at 7.30 will give a full presentation about the masking issue, about the, and again, this is from a scientific standpoint, but we're going to discuss it with you on the webinar, also from a constitutional standpoint, and whether or not the government has the right to do the things that they are doing to us in response to this pandemic. Uh, So Wednesday, October 14th. And what you need to do to view that and participate it and ask questions of Dr. Tenpenny is go to Citizens for Free Speech slash Ohio News. Citizensforfreespeech.org. I apologize. I got to give you the org, don't I? Citizensforfreespeech.org slash Ohio News. And you can click the registration link there and then join us on Wednesday night, 730 for Dr. Tenpenny's full presentation. Doctor, thank you very much for the great information. I look forward to talking to you in more depth next week. Thank you so much, Bob. Have a great day. Thank you. God bless. That's Dr. Sherry Tenpenny joining us. It's 952 back right after this, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 957, short segment here. Um, There was breaking news this morning that I didn't get to, and I just want to read to you very briefly, and I'm going to read it, as you can tell by my voice, uh, with a bit of anger and with a bit of sadness and a bit of disappointment. Um, I'm just done. I'm just done hoping that there is going to be justice in the extraordinary crime that was committed against Donald Trump with respect to the Russia hoax, the investigation, the um, the dossier that led to the FISA court issuing a warrant to spy on Team Trump. This is all a plot to get the attention turned away from Hillary Clinton's email scandal. We found this out through court redacted and ordered declassification by President Trump this week. So Hillary Clinton got away with her email scandal to turn the attention on Donald Trump and Russia collusion. We have been waiting for Bill Barr, the attorney. Well, first, we were waiting for Jeff Sessions to do something. And of course, he recused himself, so he did nothing. Then Bill Barr gets appointed attorney general, and we're waiting for him to do something. And then he appoints John Durham, as a special prosecutor to get to the bottom of it, we were promised over the course of the last 12 months that the Durham report is going to clarify all. The Durham report is going to get justice. The Durham report, the Durham report. Oh, by the way, I skipped over 
the Inspector General's report, Michael Horowitz's report, all of these different investigations we're going to bring to justice, Hillary Clinton and James Comey and Andrew McCabe and, and Peter Strzok and, and, and the lot of them, all the way through the Attorney General, the last Attorney General, Loretta Lynch. We were going to get to the bottom of all of it. Hillary Clinton, all of this was going to be done at the very latest by the summer. Ah, maybe by the end of the summer. Well, here we are in the fall. It's October, uh, October 8th, 9th. And this is the story today. Attorney General Bill Barr is telling top Republicans the U.S. Attorney John Durham will not complete and submit his report on the Russia investigation ahead of the 2020 election. This is the nightmare scenario, a congressional GOP official said, according to Axios. Essentially, the year and a half of arguably the number one issue for the Republican base is meaningless if this doesn't happen before the election. A senior White House official additionally corroborated the claim to Axios, adding that Durham is concentrating on presenting winnable prosecutions and isn't concerned with rushing the report for political purposes like helping presidential, uh, President Donald Trump in the election. John Durham can go straight to freaking you-know-where. If you don't release this now, the victim of the crime gets no justice. What good does it do for you to release this and then maybe get prosecutions next year? Because you're going to be booted from the case if Joe Biden wins. How can you possibly get any justice for the victim of the crime if you sit on this through the election? Bill Barr, the Attorney General, whom I have praised many times during his term as Attorney General, And John Durham, who we were told is just beyond reproach, he's the guy to get to the bottom of it all and prove that there is equal justice for everyone in America. Not one set of justice standards for you and others for the politically connected. Both of them are jokes. There is no justice. Durham and Barr sitting on this until after the election, and then if Biden wins, Barr is no longer AG, Durham is booted from the investigation, it's halted, and they all skate. All of the criminals skate. And President Trump, the victim of the crimes, has nothing to turn to. You people are an embarrassment. And I hope everybody within the sound of my voice contacts the Trump administration, the Attorney General's office, and lets them know that. This is ridiculous. I'll be right back. Stop. 